Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host, my name is Matthias Reinwart. This is again a very special episode of the uh, Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. We are here at the EIC conference in Munich. We are halfway through or two-thirds through the event and we want to catch up with some of the interesting topics that we learned here. Uh, my guest today is Martin Kuppinger. He is the uh, principal analyst and one founder of Kuppinger Coal. Hi, Martin. Good to see you. Hi, Matthias. Great to have an analyst chat, uh, sort of face-to-face, -face, in uh, person, not just virtually. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And we want to catch up with some of the topics that we learned are important for EIC today and for our uh, audience in the future. We hope so. And we want to start uh, with a topic that you called and that we call deconstructing the user journey. What do you understand by coining this term? Yeah, I, th I think this, this came up in my mind at least a couple of years ago, honestly. It, it first came up at a workshop I did for a vendor in London. And there were a couple of people in. And at some point, so it was a discussion about how can you sort of solve certain challenges and then a discussion started, but if I use a Facebook login, then uh, I lose control about that and that. And I learned there seems to be a misconception about which are the things you lose control about, which are the things you don't lose control about, what are the elements of the entire user journey, or if we are correct, better user journeys, because we at least need to look at two of them. The one is the onboarding journey, and the other is the authentication journey. So the onboarding ideally happens once. The authentication happens again and again and again. So these were, were the two types of, of journeys we need to look at. And when you look at these journeys, you learn that they consist of a quite significant number of elements and if you understand the elements you also see there's a lot of flexibility in changing in modernizing in enhancing what you do by adding other identity providers by supporting other authenticators but you also learn where to keep put your focus on what is where you need to keep control about what is what you can give away and I believe this becomes even more important when we see new themes emerging. And I think this is why we start about, uh, talk about this theme also today. Uh, so we have on one hand, we have decentralized identities coming in or SSI, self-sovereign identity, whichever term you want to use. We have seen the announcement of GAIN, the Global Assured Identifier Network, um, driven by more than 150 people um, many banks involved, uh, many technology providers involved for a, really a, a network of delivering assured identities. And the question is, how does this all relate to the user journey and how can you make use of that? How can you benefit from, from new opportunities? And that is why I think it's important to look at user journeys and to understand these more in detail because then you understand um, how, where to bring in new things. Okay, so if I understand that correctly, we, ha we have to distinguish between the, the actual onboarding, first onboarding process, so really understanding who somebody is, me as Matthias being a person, 
Then the second is the, the quality of this onboarding process, and that goes with the level of assurance that my identity comes yeah. with. And then on top of that, the, the authentication process sees, which could be more than one, while connecting different types of authenticators with this already vetted, yeah. well-understood identity. Am I right? Yeah, and then the authentication, which happens again and again. So, so at the end, it is when you look at such a journey, um, so you go to a website, um, depending on, on whether it's more, more e-commerce, where, where it probably starts with you fill the shopping cart and then things kick off, or whether it's more I register for something uh, first and then I can do certain things. So this already might vary. But it is about elements of that are, for instance, who are you? So entering certain data. The data might be something you enter manually, which isn't really fun, and we do it way too frequent. But it might be also something which is consumed because you say, I already have an identity here. I have my decentralized identity, and I shared that information with you. And then it's just sharing. So it's, it are two different ways to deliver that information. There might be more. There will be probably more. If you rely on whatever uh, LinkedIn account, you also decide on with, with a lesser control in detail uh, than you have with a decentralized identity, you decide on sharing cert certain information instead of re-entering the information. Then you have this identity wetting or proofing process um, that can be very simple because it just doesn't exist. So someone just trusts you that that information is correct. It can be trusted by checking some of the attributes going to, to certain public data and saying, okay, is under that address really a Martin Kuppinger? It could be that you have to go through a video ident or other type of identi identification, identity wetting, identity proofing scheme. Um, so there are really many different ways uh, to do that. And again, this is another step. And so we have really a number of steps. And for all of these steps, we might have different variants, and we might see new technologies emerging which say, okay, there's a new way to do it. And if we also create, in, in the way we set it up technically, this way in the, 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 the small steps, the in small individual steps, then we can make changes very easily. If we have just one monolithic thing here, it's way harder to deal with that. Absolutely, and I think that that is also a, a great, um, yeah, a great offer that the, the game network comes with, saying, okay, there are institutions that have to do a strong onboarding process because they have to. Um, in the in the presentation that we had here at EIC, they said the banks have to do it because that's where the money is, and and I think that is really of importance. They they do this, they do it for themselves, for their own business. So a bank makes sure that they understand that this person is really their customer. It's well understood and it's a digital identity related to all the business process in the bank. But then they are open to share that with a kind of community, with this gain network. And so this identity becomes much more important bec because it becomes reusable in many other contexts. And then the, the second step, once you are vetted in that, at that level of, of assurance, at that level of quality, um, still me being the owner of that identity is able to decide what to share with which 
um, relying party with which service provider that actually says, okay, I just need a certain amount of information that I want to share with, uh, with, with this service. So, for example, my age or at least the statement that I am of legal age for taking part in, a, in an election or buying alcohol, which is the standard um, um, example in that case, without them giving the information how old I am in fact, just that I'm at legal age and without sharing any other information. So this, this um, self-sovereign, this, this, this ability to decide what to disclose is also something that is very important. And that makes onboarding, which is a kind of, um, yeah, new, generating a new identity, makes this process for that yeah. service provider much easier. And, and, and that, that is where, where I think it is uh, interesting from a business perspective. From, when we look at the onboarding, process, it is about the drop-off rates. It is about the rate of people who start an onboarding and don't end the process. This becomes easier if you can reuse an identity. And it, this is especially true when, when, when you need a higher level of assurance, because the higher the level of assurance, the more complex and the more cumbersome at the end the registration is. So if we make this reusable, we have a benefit and um, decentralized identities are one approach to make it reusable. Uh, we see other things um, like gain, which also come up with this. And you do it once, you do it with a trusted party. And it might also be that, that banks say, okay, we, we had this onboarding to us based on a decentralized identity. So these things might work hand in hand. They might work with EIDAS for, for using EIDs here. So you can done right you can combine many of these things or you can say as a whatever as a um, telco or so i say you could say okay i accept the gain and i accept certain types of, of decentralized identities maybe the ones which work well with an eid where we see also integration uh, efforts like driven by the european union uh, which is, is pushing uh, this combination of eidas and, and decentralized identities and so we have, have really um, many options, but we need to understand um, how they, so at which part of this process, uh, which concept fits in, so that we know where to place a new approach, a new technology, and evolve our process, because we can't stand still. In the digital age, um, we need to, to provide a, a, a strong experience, a very positive experience, and that starts with this, to, to our customers, consumer citizens, that starts with this onboarding journey and that continues with the authentication journey, which must be secure and convenient. Um, so that is then the other part. And on the other hand, we must understand which data is ours, which data comes in from someone else, how can we share data, how can we gather data from others. This is all part of this deconstructing thing. And GAIN, for instance, I think is an interesting approach to add another uh, strong, reliable way of bringing people in, of gathering the data, of simplifying the process, because people have undergone the process once and they just reuse it. It makes it more efficient and it will reduce drop-off rates while still having a stronger identity than with most other approaches you have. And this is the interesting thing I, I, I see where 
where, where, where new technologies come in, but you only will, will benefit from it when you understand the bigger picture and, and how this complex, and it and is really a multi-stage process of onboarding um, of which steps and elements it consists. And the good thing is that actually that there are not necessarily new technologies, new protocols are involved. It's just putting all these pieces together. We have these levels of assurance. We have onboarding processes. We have EIDAS. We have um, banking processes yeah. in place for many years. And combining this into a bigger framework, into one organizational concept, into this spider in the middle, which is the gain uh, network, which does not store any information. It just hints at where the actual information is available. Um, making this work together at a global scale, and that is there, yeah, that is what they really want to achieve. I think that is really something that yeah, shows the benefit of what has happened in the recent years by designing and defining and approving standards that are interoperable and work well with, with, with each other. And as a side note, um, I really like the idea that they are also looking into communities that are not necessarily on our mind when we think of banking, when we think of doing business. They are also looking at uh, underbanked communities which are mainly working with their, I with their, with their mobile phones, um, which is their digital identity. It's, it's, it's a phone number, it's not a, a digital identity towards a bank, but in many communities this is the central way of yeah. doing business, of, of transferring money, yeah, of, of really making their digital life work and th implementing that with the appropriate level of assurance also into the GAIN network. I think this is really something that we did not have on our yeah. radar in many cases. And if you understand the level of assurance, you understand what you can do with that. And as I've said, the other pattern is really this authentication, this recurring uh, thing. And, and there it's then super important, that would be a great theme for another talk, clearly, to, to understand, I would say, this triangle between convenience and security and trust. So security is what we see as the provider, so to speak. Convenience is what the user feels and trust is also what the user has in our security. So we need to, to make this work well. This is then the other part. But if people come in with a strong a reusable identity they, they use frequently where they feel they have control about, then this might be something which already fits quite well into this picture. And this is what we need to do because then we drive down the churn rates, the churn rates because, oh, I've forgotten my password again. So I go to the other vendor, which happens. So, so you say, okay, I'd like to do my purchase here by that smaller vendor and say, oh, what is my password? And then you say, okay, then I go to this big one again. And this is which you can avoid if you do it right. So there are, are so many technologies and openness in the way you implement it and openness in the way you, you think about the options. Getting broader, this is what you need to do um, for success in the digital age. Right, and this is a quite great summary for, for this episode because it really shows the bigger picture, how things work well together while improving the digital experience, the DX or for every user and also the participants on the other side of the, of the equation. So the service providers, the information identity providers, um, it really makes things work better together. So thank you, Martin, for sharing your thoughts here at EIC. Um, event continues and maybe there are more insights to gain uh, today and tomorrow. Um, and for the time being, thank you for being my guest here. Thank you.